Welcome, and thank you for joining us as we listen to the lively messages of Brother Nick Manzi, a down-to-earth pastor who communicates God's truth in understandable and practical terms as you apply the Bible to your own life. Started thinking about the Sunday school who was putting on a Christmas pageant and included the story of Mary and Joseph coming into the inn. And one boy really wanted to be Joseph so bad, but when the parts were started to be handed out, uh, well, you know, his rival got the part of Joseph. And he was kind of upset because he was relegated to the innkeeper. And uh, he didn't say anything to the director, but he kept thinking through all the practices, how can I get back at them for not letting me be Joseph? And so he says, well, I I got it. I'm going to do something on the day of the performance. So the the thing comes, the day of the performance comes, and here comes the Joseph, his rival Joseph, coming in with Mary, coming to the inn, and knocks on the door and says, I'm looking for a place to stay for my wife and myself. And he says, well, come on in. (laughs) And suddenly... Joseph didn't know what to do and kind of was taken aback for a few seconds and thought pretty quickly on his feet, looked into the door and says, I'm not going to keep my wife in that dump. I'm going to the barn. (laughs) And and so they got the play back on track. (laughs) See, as we prepare for Christmas, sometimes I wonder if we've allowed the Savior to be stolen from our celebrations. Have we let the, the world take our Savior away from this celebrated holiday? You know, we sterilize the spiritual and we've been inoculated by the familiarity of the nativity. So much so that Merry Christmas has been replaced by Happy Holidays. And have you ever noticed that the question that we ask now, are you ready for Christmas, is really code for, are you done with your Christmas shopping? It's so easy now to walk right past the manger with our, full, uh, our arms full of gifts, isn't it? See, not that long ago, there was a middle school in New Jersey, in the state that I come from. And they canceled a field trip up to New York to see a performance called A Christmas Carol. And they did that because they thought that somebody might be offended by the Christian themes that it has. There was a columnist called uh, Cal Thomas, and he pointed out that this Christmas story that supposedly had these Christmas themes wasn't even a Christian story to begin with. Uh, Yeah, sure, it contains elements of charity, kindness, goodwill. But then related to this, there was an editorial not that long after that appeared in the Chicago Tribune that kind of sums up our culture's obsession with political correctness, and it's gutted the greatness of Christmas. And it reads this, Now that December is here, I'm reminded that the most taboo word in our country is Christmas. It's amusing to watch people on TV news talking about Christmas as they go through the verbal gymnastics to avoid saying the word. So I want to be able to suggest this morning that if we really want to have a Merry Christmas, we need to first understand Mary's Christmas. 
If we want to have a Merry Christmas, we must understand Mary's Christmas. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to give you a lot of time here. Start opening up to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. We're going to walk through a few verses today on our way to the manger. And then we're going to be able to unwrap some of the words of Christmas by focusing on, the, on God's gifts that was given to Mary. Now I want you to understand, we're starting a three-part series today, and it's going to conclude the Sunday before Christmas. But during this series, I want us to be able to rediscover the reverence of the Incarnation, because the whole superstructure of Christianity rests on the reality of Christmas. Amen? So let me start out, as you're still turning, to, by defining the word incarnation for you. The word incarnation literally means the act of assuming flesh whereby the Son of God voluntarily assumed the human body and nature. Amen. Now let me put it this way. Let me put it in layman's term. All right, God did not send Christ to us. God came to us in Christ. Amen. Did you hear that? Amen. God came to us in Christ. So let's see how God came over to our side. And let me say at the beginning that the Christmas narrative is in danger that is just read once a year. Think about that. We're putting in danger that the only time we read this is in Christmas time. When it's such a, a foundational point to our whole belief system. See, some of us have heard this story so much that we're no longer moved by the, the majestic majesty that comes along with it, the magnitude that comes from knowing that God became a man. So you and I, we must never forget that this story is holy history, and it should be approached every time we approach it with awe and astonishment. We must do that. So let's start by looking at the birth announcement that we were given as we pick up the story in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 30. So we get a peek at this angelic counter between Mary and the, and the angel Gabriel, and she receives a birth announcement from him that's going to rock her life forever, and it's going to change the trajectory of human history even beyond when you and I live today. So Luke chapter 1, verse 26, I gave you a lot of time. Are you there? Say amen. amen. That's what I thought. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having coming in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Let's pray. Lord, Father, I just want to thank you so much for today. And I thank you for this opportunity to be able to learn your word, for giving us this word where so many countries across the world can't even hold the Bible in public for fear of their 
their, their, their lives, Lord. So, Father, thank you for this opportunity to allow us to live in this country, to be able to speak freely, to be able to learn freely, but to also to be able to love you. So, Father, thank you for that love. I just pray you fill us with the Holy Spirit right now so we might be able to learn everything you have to say to us. And let this be nothing of myself, but only of you. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So right here, you got to understand that Elizabeth at this point is six months pregnant with John the Baptist. And here comes Gabriel, this angel, and he's this big gun angel that's coming down and he's making this life-changing announcement to not just Mary, but to the world. But after hearing what's going to happen to her, Mary starts to pose the question back to Gabriel and says, well, how's this going to happen? You realize that I'm a virgin. I've never been married. I've never was able to have, you know, a relation with a man. And you're telling me I'm going to have a son? How is this going to happen? You know, I remember one time, uh, anybody ever remember uh, Larry King, the talk show host? He was asked a question when he was being interviewed for the first time. And it says, if you could select any one person in history to be able to be and be with an interview, who would that be? And he said that he'd love to be able to sit down and talk to Jesus Christ. But he said that because he says, I would like to ask him if he was indeed virgin born. Because to answer that question would define history for me. Let me tell you, I want to tell you this, that with no doubt in my mind that Jesus was born of a virgin. Amen. He was born of a virgin and he alone is the one that defines history. He defined it. He does define it now and he will define it beyond us. He defines history. And this wasn't just something that was thought up at the last minute. It was prophesied, by the way, 500 years earlier in Isaiah 7.4. If you could keep up, turn there. Isaiah 7.14, I apologize. Which says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Now, by the way, we're going to be talking about Emmanuel in a couple of weeks and what the implications are of that name, Emmanuel. But right here, Mary was about to be married to Joseph, and Joseph was in the legal family line of David, and Joseph became the husband of Mary, though without some agonizing doubt when he found out that she was pregnant and knowing that he didn't do it. But it was clear throughout Scripture that he wasn't the father. This wasn't just something that just happened. Matthew chapter 1, verse 16, it says, Matthew 1, 16, And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, listen, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. They made it very clear to, make it, to specify that Jesus was born of Mary and not the son of Joseph. There are at least three biblical assertions from those few verses that we read in Luke chapter 1 that we can make. The first thing is that, we, that we can make out is that Jesus was fully human. Do you believe that? Say amen. amen. Jesus was fully human. He lived in an ordinary family. He had a birth mother here on earth. He had an adopted father here on earth. He even had siblings later on. 
So Jesus was fully human. But number two, Jesus was fully divine. Sure, yeah, he was a brother of James. We all know that. But he wasn't the son of Joseph. Why? Because he was son of God the Father. Do you remember John 3.16? For God so loved that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Who sent them? God the Father. Not just God, because he's God, right? God the Father sent God the Son. We must know that. So Jesus was fully divine. The third thing we see from those few verses is that Mary was a virgin when she was pregnant with Jesus. But we know that she had other children after she had Jesus and after uh, her and Joseph actually became married. So we know from these four verses that Jesus was fully human. We know that he was fully divine and we know that he was born of a virgin. But then we get to come to a point in our passage that we're about to read and we see all the gifts that God gave to Mary. Go back to Luke 1, starting in verse 31. Luke 1, verse 31 to through 35. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of, of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Yes. See, some say that the tradition of gift-giving came from Europe. When we started this country, the Europeans brought it here to America. And, but other people say that it goes back to the Magi, Magi, however you say it. And they, they bring it back to then when Jesus was given gifts by those three kings. But I want to suggest it goes even further back than those three kings. It goes back between Mary and God. The first instance of gift giving was given from God to Mary. This is the first gift exchange. The first gift exchange. One came down ready to give and another was loaded with presents. See, one was caught off guard and had to make do with what she had. So in verses 31 through 35, God gave seven different gifts to Mary. The first gift he gave her is that she's going to become pregnant. If you've ever been pregnant, you know what a gift that is. Amen? It's such a gift to feel a human body grow inside of you. As a man, I can never tell what that would feel like. But I know that when Sabrina was born, we would play with her foot. She'd stick her foot out and I'd tickle it. She'd stick it back and go back. It's such a gift to know that you have a living child inside of you. That's the first gift she received. That's the first present that she gave. And this one was a great miracle on top of that because she was a virgin. 
I mean, this had to blow her mind. Don't you think? I mean, I even wonder, maybe she even stopped breathing a few breaths at that point. She was going to become pregnant outside the normal process of conception. But then she received another gift. And that second gift she received is that she would give birth to a son. See, that conception was miraculous. Let's not take anything away from that. Mary was going to have a normal pregnancy, but then give birth to a baby boy. He was fully human on top of this, and he was going to experience everything that every baby goes through. And the third gift that God gave Mary was the name. Just by a show of hands. Any of you just like struggled over a name when you were, you were pregnant with your baby? All right. I knew with Trey was the only one we didn't struggle with because by the time I was 10, I said, I'm going to have a third. I'm a junior. He's a third. So that was the only one. But through that, we were struggling through names. And remember, the Israelites at that time didn't just name people just to name them because it sounded eloquent. They, they gave them names based on personalities. And he was given a name before he was even born because his personality was there already. And his name will be Jesus. Jesus. Do you remember what Matthew 121 says? Matthew 121 says, And she will bring forth the Son, and you shall call his name, for he will save his people from their sins. Oh my gosh, could you imagine if an angel came down and told you that your son is going to save the world? Oh, I'm getting glory bumps right now, praise the Lord. See, in other words, what we're saying here is the reason for Christmas, it's permanently linked to the redemption of our sins. Do you believe that? The Christmas is always going to be linked to the redemption of our sins. Bethlehem's baby only makes sense in light of Calvary's crucified Savior. But you see, God didn't even stop there. He kept going and giving more gifts because the fourth gift he gave her was to say that he will be great. Now understand, that word great means exceedingly mighty. It means extraordinary. It means splendid. And it echoes way back to Psalm 47, verse 2, which says, where is it? For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over the, all the earth. Now I know in my generation when I was a kid, that word awesome was pretty good. And it still is, but it always was. For the Lord Most High is awesome, and He is a great King over all the earth. The coming born Son, this infant, is going to be an awesome Lord. Let me ask you a question. Is there anything in this world today that gets you excited besides Jesus? I hope He does. But is there anything in this world that gets you excited? What is it that's going to make you pull out your wallet and easily spend the money, more money than you should be spending, because you're so excited to do it? Think about that for a minute. But remember this. Jesus is matchlessly greater 
than anything we can think of in our life that is great. Jesus is greater than anything you have or anything you will have or anything you want. Jesus is still greater. The fifth gift Mary was given was that he was going to be the son of the highest God. See, that title most high in the Old Testament is Elyon in Hebrew. And it's a statement of God's surpassing supremacy. There is no one that is higher than Jesus. No one. He's sovereign in every dimension possible. So to be able to say that Jesus is the son of the highest is to say that he bears the character and nature of the highest, who is God. God. Sixth gift is that Jesus' kingdom will never end. It will never end. Mary is probably still trying to, you know, grip the fact that she's going to be pregnant while still being a virgin. She's probably still wondering why this boy is going to be so great and have this name Jesus. She's probably still just in awe that he's going to be son of the Most High. But Gabriel's still not done with her yet. Because now he tells her that Jesus will fulfill the prophecy given to David and that he'll sit on David's throne forever, uh, on Jesus' throne forever. Do you believe that? See, this prophet was given to the the prophet Nathan so many years ago in 2 Samuel chapter 7. That's in the beginning of your Bible, by the way. 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 12 and 13, it says, When your days are fulfilled and and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Isn't that great? Way back when, thousands of years ago, And thousands of years later, it's still the same word. It's still the same word. Because God is great. Finally, he gives Mary a seventh gift. You ever notice God likes to do things in sevens? He He gives Mary a seventh gift and says that he will be called the Holy One. Now let's not glance over this this is important Gabriel's answer makes it clear that the Holy Spirit will bring about his wonder in Mary's womb and in verse 35 of Luke chapter 1 it says the angel answered and said to her the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God So as a result of his supernatural conception, Jesus will be called holy. He'll be called perfect. And he'll be free from any taint of sin. See, that just declares three things about the Savior. When it says to be born, that means he's being man. When it says he's the holy one, that's because he was sinless. And when it says he was the son of God, that means he was God. God in the flesh. 
See, Jesus had to be born of a woman so that he would be the same nature of those that he would come to serve. You, me, so many in the past and so many in the future. He's come to serve us, but he also had to be free from sin. He he had to be free from sin in order to be able to make a sacrifice for our sins. And he had to be God in order for that sacrifice to be accepted. See, his deity asserts that God himself comes to save each and every one of us. This is the mystery of of Christmas. This is the intrigue of the incarnation. The sinless man who is God has come to reveal who he is and to reconcile lost sinners to himself. Now I was a lost sinner and praise the Lord, I'm not lost anymore. But that's because of Jesus Christ. That's because of God loving me so much that he sent his only begotten son to save me. Not to condemn me. As verse 3.17 says, John 3.17 says, he didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And he saved me. And he saves you too. But after pointing Mary to the miracle that took place in the life of Elizabeth, in verse 36, he goes to verse 37. We hear that voice. That And each one of us, I promise you, needs to memorize this one verse. It's a very easy verse. But this verse you should be able to spit out at a moment's notice. And it says, for with God, nothing is impossible. For with God, nothing is impossible. Amen. Do you believe that? Now, I understand that some of you are going through some really difficult times right now. Maybe that's seemingly impossible. But Mary's Christmas demonstrates what God can do. You might be in an impossible job situation right now. Maybe you're faced with a pile of debt and you don't know how you're going to get out of it. Maybe you're worried about one of your children or maybe your parent. Maybe you're longing for just some courage to be able to face the trial that you know is coming your way right around the corner. Maybe you've just been overwhelmed by life in general. Whatever it is, know that nothing is impossible with God. Are you afraid? Well, nothing's impossible with God. Do you feel lost and lonely? Nothing is impossible with God. Is your marriage melting down? Say it with me. Nothing is impossible with God. Are you too tired to go on? Nothing is impossible with God. Do you ever wonder if you can get over your anger? Nothing is impossible with God. Do you feel unloved? Nothing is impossible with God. Ever wish you could just be happy? Nothing is impossible with God. Let me put it this way. If God can reach all the way down from the throne of heaven to the body of a teenage virgin, if he can enter time from eternity where the infinite can become an infant, what can he not do for you? Nothing is impossible with God. 
I mean, just think about this. What does he want to do in your life? Just imagine what he wants to be able to do with you. But we must know that God gives gifts to you and me as well. Because nothing's impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. And we see in this passage, at the end of it, that not only did Mary get gifts from God, but Mary gifts God herself. And we're going to close with this. For that first Christmas, God gave Mary seven gifts, seven of them. He gave her a pregnancy. He gave her a promise of a son. He gave her a savior named Jesus. He said that Jesus will be great. He said that Jesus will be the son of the most high God. He said that Jesus' kingdom will never end. And he said that Jesus will be the holy one. Now after giving so many gifts like that, there really wasn't much Mary could give back, was there? But what she did have, she gave. Look at what she gave. She only had her life. In verse 38, it says, Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Her gift giving gave two things that you and I need to emulate. The first is voluntary servanthood. A voluntary servanthood. A servant knows no rights of ownership. Mary's saying that she's the property of God, just like you and I are. The second thing that we can learn is submissive obedience. Submissive obedience. This takes radical commitment, not just any kind of commitment. I'm not talking your New Year resolution commitment. I'm talking radical commitment. Whatever God wanted her to do, she said that she's willing to do, and she proved that in her life. That's the attitude that you and I need to have as well. See, Mary's Christmas, that means Merry Christmas to you and me. Because of Mary's, Mary's Christmas, you and I can have a, a spiritually Merry Christmas. She believed the impossible. She committed herself to the, to the voluntary servanthood. And submissive obedience. So I want to ask you. Will you make it, make it your Christmas resolution this year? Will you make it your commitment this year? God's giving you gifts. The same seven gifts he gave Mary. Are you willing to give back two to him? Two. Will you receive what he's done? And then give yourself to him. Nick Manzi is Senior Pastor of Central Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. If you want more information about the church, or if you're ready to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, contact Brother Nick at PastorNickCentralBaptistPSL at gmail.com. God bless you as you go about the rest of your day, and thank you for listening and sharing our podcast.